Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called People of Hope, a study in 1 Thessalonians. In this series, we will see that even in trials, the way of Jesus offers us encouragement and hope. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Good morning. I am truly excited to be here today, and I feel overly blessed uh, for this great privilege to um, share with you. Um, I wanted to show that uh, because some have not been to our campus or to our facility, but some know about the generosity of Cherry Hills, the partnership of Fresh Visions and Cherry Hills. And so that was just um, a preview uh, four years ago. Um, and uh, we are truly grateful for the friendship over the years. So we marched into our own facility four years ago, and we've never uh, been so excited. And even today, we're still excited. So uh, to all of the Cherry Hills family, the leaders, uh, your pastors, we just wanted to just show that just a little bit, just a little bit, just to say thank you. And uh, if you see Michael Shea, tell him the friendly people at Cherry Hills gave him some free advertisement. <laughs> so, so thank you. Thank you all so much for being here. I am elated. I'm grateful that pastors Brian and Steve allowed me to share in these precious moments together in this wonderful book of First Thessalonians. And I am truly grateful, grateful for the time of worship that we've already experienced together. And uh, I just want to pray and uh, get right into the word. Is that all right? Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this privilege. We are grateful. We are grateful, God, for what we've already experienced, seen, heard, and experienced. So now, God, speak to your people with clarity. Lord, reduce me that you might be exalted, that you might be praised, that you might be glorified. Speak with clarity, O oh God. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen and amen. Well, I know that you have been working diligently through this wonderful book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, or at least today we'll be looking at the fifth chapter. And um, I know that uh, there's been great teaching and great sharing, and uh, I'm, again, just privileged to be able to do my small part, and hopefully we'll be encouraged, we'll be um, edified, that we'll be uh, united even closer. And of course, I'm dealing with the passages on uh, verses 12 through 15, and it's encouraging to the leaders and, and yet uh, encouraging to the congregation. And I know sometimes we as leaders, when we are talking um, about the importance of um, godly leadership and people uh, following godly leadership, it can sound a little self-serving, and, and we are sometimes a little hesitant to talk about certain things uh, because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to exalt ourselves while trying to abase others. But I pray that the message is uh, given with clarity without uh, leaning one way or the other because there's room for us all to learn. There's room for us all to grow. So, um, it's, it's, it's always good and right to be thankful, but during the month of November, it seems to be an extra emphasis on being thankful. In fact, I have a, 
a hat that I, um, Jackie brought and put in the closet. Uh, it's a little, I guess it's kind of pinkish reddish. Uh, it's not really a, my favorite color, but um, it has the word thankful. And, and every so often, and seems like more often than none, now I just get that hat and put it on my head. Uh, don't always match what I'm wearing, but, but it says thankful. And, and, and so to me, it, it, it speaks for itself. And, and just being here today, I am truly, truly thankful. So Paul is writing the first of two letters to the church at Thessalonica. And this was a young church, some one-year-old church and congregation. And Paul writes to this church about the importance of sanctification and the importance of living a godly way, how the church should be united, united and how they are to embrace what God is saying and what God wants to do through the church. And so chapter 5 opens with the first 11 verses the warning and the reminder of the day of the Lord or the day of the return of Christ. And I was blessed by the song that was uh, sang today about Christ's return and how we are to bow down before him. He goes on to say that the Lord shall return like a thief or a robber in the night. And and I don't know how many of you have uh, had your apartment or home broken in or a vehicle broken in, but I've experienced both of those. And it's not a good feeling. Didn't get a text message. Nobody uh, FaceTimed me and said, hey, I'm coming to bust into your door. Just showed up, showed, came back, to, and, and the door was broken down. Came outside one day when I was visiting my family, and uh, my car window was broken. Didn't get any type of warning. But he says, as believers, you are not in the dark. He says, you are not asleep. Even though you don't know the exact day, you don't know the exact hour when Christ will return, but he says, be ready. We're not in the dark because we have salvation through Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. And that's good news. He's the one who died for us, was buried and rose the third day. Jesus Christ reigns and he says, you're not in the dark. You're part of this family. You're part of the body of Christ. He goes on to say that regardless of when and how long it takes for the Lord's return to encourage one another, he says, build one another up and encourage one another. Knowing our shortcomings and knowing our failures And by the way, leaders don't always get it right. Surprising to some, amen? They don't always get it right. We spend time in prayer and seeking the face of God and believe that we got it right. And sometimes it wasn't what God intended for us to do. And yet he says, encourage one another, build one another up. Verses 16 through 28, when it appears that he is closing the letter, he packs it with some powerful ways that we should live and how we should encourage one another. Verses 16 through 18 seems to stand out the most to me. He says, rejoice always. How often should we rejoice? Always. 
And then he also says, pray continually. How often should we pray? Pray continually. And then he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Someone says, all means all. Not for everything, but in the midst of all. Give thanks. We, we have so much to give thanks for. Why should we give thanks? And someone may ask the question, what is the will of God? What's the will of God for my life? What is the will of God for the church? What is the will of God for society? We don't, can't give you all of the will of God, but the, here he says, the will of God is that we give thanks in all circumstances. We do know that. I haven't forgotten my assignment. Steve probably was getting a little nervous, like I thought you was doing verses 12 through 15. <laughs> 12 through 15 <laughs> reminds us of the important roles of the church leaders and how the church can be encouragement to the leaders while encouraging one another in the Lord. It is not a one-sided reminder because the church leaders are often reminded to and urged to be faithful in leading and shepherding the flock which God has entrusted them to oversee. So let's get into the, these verses, and then we will go a little further. Verses 12 through 15, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work among you, work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Verse 13 says, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So I want to talk about thankful for godly leaders. Thankful, thankful, thankful for godly leaders. It is my prayer that this is not perceived one-sided, but we can share the importance and the work that leaders in the ministry and our elders, our pastors, and those who carry out the work needs encouragement. Leaders and non-leaders need encouragement from time to time, and church leaders are called to lead with godly love and to care, but they don't always get it right. And I think at times we all need encouragement. After one of our services some years ago, apparently I needed a little encouragement, and uh, sometimes you have to be careful when you uh, ask certain questions, especially right after service. And so I uh, was interacting with one of the teenagers in our service, and I said, hey, uh, was the message helpful? He said, I'm, uh, he said, tell you the truth, Pastor, on some of the sermons, I will sleep. Said, oh, okay. But then he said, but that part that I heard when I was awake, he said, that was helpful. <laughs> so that was kind of one of those thanks, I think. Um, 
So we, we, we all need encouragement. We just have to be prepared to uh, accept what in the vehicles that it comes in. First point I want to share, I believe that this text is sharing with us from verse 12, is to be thankful for those who care. Be, be, be thankful for, for, for those who, who care, those who take the time to attend to, to the needs of, of others. Be, be thankful for the ones who are willing to share life together and to grow with you. Someone said that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. People appreciate how much you care. Not always important to throw our weight around and uh, tell about the great accomplishments that we've um, achieved or done, but people appreciate when you take the time and show that you care. Verse 12 says, acknowledge those who work hard among you and those who care for you in the Lord. It is the Lord's order that there be servant leaders in his church. We, we, we need to uphold, encourage, pray for our church leaders as leaders at times, decisions that are best for the church requires admonishing and correcting. It's, it's easier to encourage than it is to admonish, to discipline, even when we use the scripture and follow every step is easier to encourage, but there are times there, there's a need that the body as a whole can be helped and made whole and uh, not suffer unnecessary drama, but that we can help the church to be strong and grow and fulfill God's purpose. So the church is encouraged, the church is encouraged to be thankful for those who care. And as leaders, at times, decisions are best for the church to admonish and to correct. But he also says, some are disruptive. And, and, and you want what's best for the church. And caring sometimes means having those hard conversations, but doing it in a loving manner. It's done because of the love and because God's leaders care. Jesus reminds us that good parents corrects the children and that parents that are not following godly guidance don't correct their children. And so we ought to thank God for, be thankful for those who care. Not only should we be thankful for those who care, but when I look at verse 13, look, let me know that we should be thankful for the peace with each other. The thank, we should be thankful for the peace with each other. The church is urged to hold their leaders in highest regard and love. Why is the church urged to hold the leaders in the highest regard? Is it because of their charismatic style? Is it because of their colorful shoes? Is it because of the neighborhood in which they live? Is it because of the vehicle that they drive? No. 
is because of the work that God has entrusted them to carry out. The, the responsibility that comes along with the position or the title. We should be thankful for the peace with each other. And one of the greatest ways to hold the leaders in highest esteem and regard is to have peace with one another. Getting along with one another. And I'm always encouraged when I come to the Church Hill, the, the Cherry Hills family uh, facility, I just see so much unity. And, and every so often I'm at different places and we are interacting with different people. And, and, and then they'll tell me that they're members of Cherry Hills. And then it's like the stock goes up. And it's like, I'd be about to go, but then you said Cherry Hills. Like, hey, we got some more time. I know these people. I know the unity. It is good to be, to, to be in peace, be at peace with one another. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. It says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Don't let it be a grievous experience. But that would be of no advantage to none of you. But when it's done in a joyous way, it says that that's when it's a good thing. Being at peace with each other doesn't mean that we agree 100% of the time. Can the church say amen? We don't have to agree 100% of the time. I love my wife, love my grandson, but every now and then we don't agree. We don't agree, but we have peace with each other. And I'm grateful for the peaceful home that I can come to. I'm grateful. I'm grateful regardless of what has gone on throughout the day and throughout uh, the, the, the week. I can come home and I can find peace. Romans 12 and 18, perhaps this can be helpful. If it is possible for as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So it calls all of us to do our part. And when all of us are doing our part, I believe there's a passage that says, outdo one another in love. Oh, what a great place our uh, congregations, our places of worship can become when we are at peace with one another. Well, be thankful for those who care. Be thankful for the peace with each other. And then there's a third point when I look at verse 14. Be thankful for the encouragers. Be thankful. Be, be thankful for those who can come alongside you and encourage you. But Percy says, hey, warn those who are idle, those, those who were, you know, I read earlier about um, how some were talking, you know, it was emphasized about the return of Christ and and some believe that some had become too idle, just waiting for the return of God. We all need rest. We all need uh, to take some leisure time. But we also need to be engaged 
in our local church family. We need to serve within and we need to serve outside of the church walls. We, we, we want to uh, uh, carry out what God has already placed in us, using our gifts, our talents, our resources to bring glory to God. So he says, warn those who are, who are idle. And then he says, warn those who are disruptive. We talked about that. But then he says, encourage the disheartened. Yeah, so some people have, are almost ready to give up. And I don't know what you came in here today with or those who are tuning in online. I don't know what you're going through. But, but he says we are to encourage, encourage. Let them know that tomorrow is coming. And, and, and while we don't know what tomorrow will bring, we know who, who controls tomorrow. And the same God that brought us through uh, the last challenge that had us disheartened, we can still trust that same God, that same Savior. Encourage the disheartened. He says, help the weak. Some are not uh, uh, idle. Um, let me see. Some are, uh, are, are hurting. And, and so it's hard to come out of that idleness because of hurt. And some have been hurt by some of us in the church, unfortunately. And, and, and still the body of Christ, even though we are not perfect, the body of Christ is a great place to be a part of and to trust the perfect Christ who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless, he says, be thankful for the encouragers. And he says, encourage the disheartened, help the weak. And then he says, be patient with everyone. Be patient, even with those who are disrupted. Be patient with everyone. Some years ago, when I was a teenager, I worked at Hardee's, the Hardee's that used to be on uh, King Drive in South Grand, years ago, so I'm dating myself. And as a teenager, as a teenager, I was working there. I used to work in the back. That was my, 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 my first job with benefits. And so it had benefits like free cheeseburgers, free french fries, and free vanilla shakes, you know, the real benefits. And so... Um, I used to like to work in the back. I didn't like working up front with the cashier. I just liked working in the back, flipping the burgers, getting the fries, and all that good stuff. And so it was busy one day, and, um, and um, the, the manager, the supervisor, you know, hey, Roy, I need you up front. So I went on up and signed in and everything. And, um, and then this line of people, and I'll never forget, uh, the guy ordered a double cheese meal. And back then, it was just a picture of a double cheese. You had the cheeseburger, the double cheese, and the quarter pound and all that. And I was looking for that double cheese button. I kept looking, and I was like, these people in the back, it's like they're steady coming. I couldn't find that double cheese button. And the guy that was right, I was trying to help and serve, he said, take your time. We're not in a hurry. And it was like almost immediately that double cheeseburger button popped up, uh, hit it, and we moved on. 
That was some 40-some years ago. Just last week, I'm in McDonald's. And uh, my grandson, Jaden, called me at the last minute. Granddad, granddad, we can ready to go out of town. Can you go get me something from, from, from McDonald's? And so, like a good grandfather, I grumbled and went to McDonald's and <laughs> got his stuff. But while we were there, it was a young lady. This was her first day, her very first day. It was not a good first day for her. And, and she was struggling. She was struggling. And it was a lot of people in the uh, drive through There was a lot of people in the lobby. And uh, I began to get a little agitated. I, I began to get a little irritated. I was a few people back. And then God replayed that scene on South Grand and King Drive at Hardy. We're in no hurry. Take your time. It was a calm because I remembered how that man 40 years ago was patient with me. And when we begin to get irritated and agitated because things aren't going 100% our way, remember those people who was patient with us. Then remember the Christ, the Savior of the world how he's always patient with us. Even when we thought we were doing our own thing and we were living our own life, the Lord was patient with us. So we're grateful. Be thankful for the encouragers. Be thankful for those who care. Be thankful for the peace with each other. Be thankful for the encouragers. And finally, finally, Be thankful for forgiveness. Be thankful for forgiveness. Look at, look at, look at this, 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 um, verse 15, verse 15, it it, it says, um, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. That's, requires forgiveness because we are we want to get them back right you know if if, if you did it to me I want to do it to you no he says make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else this requires us to forgive others And I know what you're saying, or somebody's probably saying, um, I haven't forgiven it, I haven't forgotten it, so I can't forgive. And the Bible never says that we have to forget the hurt in order to forgive. We were in a study session not long ago, and, and one of the people said something that was profound to me. I don't know how profound it may be to you, but she said, watch the words, when I made the decision to forgive, it was like a burden lifted off of me. When I made the decision to forgive, forgiveness is a decision. And we all have the opportunity, I'm going to even go farther, the
the obligation to forgive. Why should we forgive? Because it will lift a burden off of you, and it'll lift a burden off of me. While I may not forget about it, I don't have to dwell on it. But we are called to forgive one another. We will all be hurt by someone. We've all been hurt by someone. And our feelings will get bruised, even sometimes in the church. But we can be thankful for forgiveness. By the way, Christ has forgiven us all. Can I repeat that? Christ has forgiven us all. Can I go a little further? Christ has forgiven us all of so much. And then he keep, keep, keeps forgiving us. Because of his love for us, he keeps forgiving us. We keep falling. Then we can go to the Father and acknowledge our shortcomings and our limitations and our weaknesses, and the Father willingly forgives us and gives us another chance, dusts us off and sends us back out again. He says, when you want to hold on to something that someone else has done or has said, think back to the cross. How I forgave you and was willing to take the nails and take the thorns because I love you. And I'm grateful for the great power to make the decision to forgive. I'm thankful for forgiveness. And so when we look at this overall area, First Thessalonians, while we are trying to encourage our leaders, is something for all of us to be thankful for. Be thankful for those who care. Be thankful for the peace with each other. Be thankful for the encouragers. And be thankful for forgiveness. Can you just pause and reflect on the forgiveness of Christ and all that he has done on your behalf. And perhaps there are some things that you may need to make a decision to forgive. The people that you need to forgive. Father, we surrender to you. You are God alone. You've set us free. You've given us eternal life. Thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Thank you for your church, your church leaders. Thank you, God, for your love for us. To you be the glory. Thank you for this ministry, this Cherry Hills family, oh God. Bless those leaders that are making decisions. Thank you, God, for the faithfulness 
body of Christ that is united as one. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church or to get connected, please visit cherryhillsfamily.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us.